0: Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and two-door cinema club.
1: Welcome to the Inside the Oval podcast presented by Dignity Health. I'm Patti Kwan. And I'm Haley Jones. And today we are joined by 49ers Senior Coordinator of Corporate Communications, Jacob Bill. Jacob, thank you so much for joining the podcast.
2: Thanks for having me. I'm excited. I've been uh, waiting for the day that I get the call up to the big <laughs> leagues on the podcast. So I'm looking forward to it.
3: Can you tell us about what you do as a senior coordinator of corporate communications?
2: Yeah, absolutely. So c- corporate communications is basically just another way of saying public relations, um, PR. So I do all the business-related PR for the 49ers, Um There's a separate team that handles all the football-related PR. So they handle player and coach interviews um, while I handle stuff with our executives um, and other members of the staff. So I I work to promote marketing initiatives, Levi's Stadium stuff, innovation storylines, third-party events. And so anything that is to do with press releases or announcements or media stories that is not directly tied to the play on the field is what I handle.
3: Do you have a favorite project you've worked on?
2: Ooh, that's a good question. Favorite project? I would say, so this past uh, year, um, right before the start of the football season, every year we do a concessions um, media showcase, and uh, I know you guys are familiar. It's Patty's
1: favorite. I was, day was gonna of the say year. that's my favorite yep. event that you do.
2: No, it's <laughs> it's great because like you get to go down to the kitchen, try all the food that's gonna be rolled out in the stadium for the year, and so the goal of that for us is to promote all of the like good tastes that'll be served up in the stadium for the football season. And so um, in the past, when I've done it, we've stuck to traditional media. So, you know, your, your standard TV stations, your, um, you know, local bloggers and stuff like that. Um, but this past year, when I was planning for it, I was, you know, just scrolling on TikTok one night and came across a, a foodie influencer. And I thought to myself, like, why aren't we involving these types of folks in this event? And so worked with some folks um, on our marketing team to get them involved and, um, a couple couple of foodie influencers that I had been following for, you know, a year plus um, came out to Levi's and um, got to meet them and talk to them a little bit about um, their 49ers fandom and some of their favorite restaurants in San Francisco. So I have some that I need to try now uh, after their recommendations. But, yeah, I thought that one, was, that one was really cool just because, you know, we had stuck to tr- traditional media for so long and it was fun to involve the social media aspect as well.
1: Yeah, that is definitely one of my favorite events. I know I ask you, like, weeks ahead of time, like, hey, when is this going to take place? So that we, too, can capture content for Levi Stadium Social. So it's it's purely professional. You keep telling um, yourself that. Yeah.
2: Purely professional. Purely yeah. professional. Patty asks me weeks in advance, like she said, um, so I'll have to put on her calendar early <laughs> this year. Uh, so she's not out of town and misses all, all the good food. I'm trying to think, like, what the good items were last year. I know last year, like, we re- we uh, completely revamped the stadium dog. So, like, our mm-hmm. hot dog got uh, enhanced, upgrade. yeah. upgraded, exactly. Silva,
3: yeah. right? Donuts.
2: We had donuts, yep. I think there was um, some burgers, like, some little mini sliders and stuff like that.
3: So, I think my
1: favorite might be hula truck.
2: Ooh, that's a good one. Yeah, That's a deep pull, but a good one. <laughs> a I good do one. like
1: that we also just incorporate local businesses in the stadium, which I don't know if a lot of people realize. Like, we 100%. do have a lot of uh, stands that are based in the bay area
2: especially coming out of the pandemic like i feel like a lot of those places had to shut down their actual brick and mortar storefronts Mm -hmm. and so you know once they were able to open up again game days were just another avenue of them to bring in money and to help grow their grow their brand so yeah i totally agree you know working with those local you know vendors to come in and serve their food is, is always really fun and we always bring in new ones each and every year so it's never it never gets stale it never gets boring for the fans
3: There's also some exclusive food items from those companies at Levi Stadiums. I remember Puesto, when they first got their stand here, had a strawberry margarita, but if you went to the Puesto, that's right by Levi's Stadium, they did not have that. So there are some, there's some exclusive things too.
2: Yeah, Psycho Donuts always has like a 49ers um, donut that you can't buy in the stores. That's only available here at Levi's. So yeah, I think I think honestly, the local restaurants have a lot of fun with it. Um, you know, a lot of people that work there and the ownership there, they grew up 49ers fans. Um, and so it's, it's really great for them to be able to come. And it's always nice to, like, put them in front of a media camera and watch their like faces light up when they're talking about their food. So it's, it's a fun one.
1: Shout out our small local businesses based in the Bay. Facts. And shameless facts. plug to come visit Levi Stadium to give them
2: a
3: try.
1: <laughs> yeah,
2: keep an eye out for uh, Levi Stadium concession showcase uh, yes. coming coming this fall. Beyond
3: yeah. Levi Stadium social. Follow that. <laughs> yep. Follow, tune
1: in. Um Jacob, tell us about your path to the 49ers.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I always I, I was really like telling the story, so You know, I I grew up in Campbell, California, which is just, you know, 10 or 15 minutes away from the stadium here in Santa Clara. Always grew up a 49ers fan. It's my my childhood team, to be honest with you. And, you know, went to college um, as I was preparing to leave college and graduate. I applied for an internship here at the 49ers, a postgraduate internship. Um, I didn't get it at the time, but I I guess had a really good interview um, despite not getting the job. And so after college graduation, I took a job at a local PR agency in the Bay Area. Um, I worked there for about four to six months. And then one random one day randomly, my old boss here at the 49ers just shot me a random email and said, hey, man, like we just lost someone from our team. They they took another opportunity. They're moving on. Our season is about to get underway. We really need the extra set of hands, like wondering what you found for work. Did, did like, you know, where are you? And I said, I'm working full time at a PR agency here in the Bay, but I'm interested. Like, what do you, what do you have in mind? And that PR agency was a really great job. I was full time salaried employee at the time. I had, you know, benefits, all that stuff. It was really fun. Had a lot of great coworkers there. Their Walton Company was was the PR agency. Shout out Walton Company for my early career days. But you know, it was it was uh, consumer tech PR, and so. Obviously, was not as fun as doing PR for the Niners. And with it being my hometown team, I was I was very intrigued in the opportunity. And so, you know, eventually I got to talking to the 49ers. They said they really needed the help, but the best they could do with such short notice was to offer an internship. And so it took me a couple of days to think about that opportunity. And, you know, like I said, I was a full-time salaried employee at the agency. Um, so taking an internship would be a bit of a step down. I'd be taking a little bit less pay. But with that said, growing up, I always wanted to work in sports, and so this opportunity kind of came knocking. And ultimately, I decided that if I didn't take it now, I'd always look back and say, "Oh, I wish I had taken that Niners gig," you know, when I was straight out of college. And so that was three and a half years ago. Um, I came on board with the 49ers as an intern back then, did a season, um, got promoted, and brought on full time. And since then, have have been, you know, promoted two more times. So. You know, it's, that seems like a really long time ago, but that's that's kind of how, you know, I got, got to this position now.
3: What I like about thinking through that, the amount of people that we have had on this podcast, because Patty and I were both part-time and then moved our way up to full-time, but the amount of people we've had who everyone in this room has either done that trajectory or from an internship or something and, like, kind of been, like, internally grown is really exciting. I don't know, I, that just hit me.
1: Yeah, and I think too, Like I think we have very similar career paths in that I was working part-time as a social media intern with the Rivercats, which is right. AAA, minor league baseball, <clears throat> right? Super grindy. And they had offered me a full-time job at the end of my first season there, which I was like stoked about, right? Like my first full-time job out of college. But then my part-time job with the Niners opened up and I had applied for that and- you know, eventually got that, obviously, but it was like, do you leave like a, a, a sure thing in that it's full time exactly. benefits, yeah. you know, uh, salaried or whatever and take the risk to do a part time gig. But with like this esteemed brand, like those are kind of the things that I was battling with that you were too. And like, look at us now, you know, like yeah. here we are, you know, <laughs> six years later for me. Right. No.
2: Yeah. No, I mean it's I think I think it is a tough decision when you're when you're given that opportunity. But you just have to think about what your priorities are in life. Right. Like some people really value, you know, working for an esteemed brand, like you mentioned, Patty. Um, some people really want to, you know, make as much money as possible when they're young. Um, and so for me, like working in sports was always my dream. And so I want to chase that and accomplish that. Um and, yeah, it's worked out, but, you know, I would be lying if I said there were times throughout my time here when I thought, like, oh, maybe this isn't going to work out. Like, that first internship year, like, it was hard. You know, I started, my first day on the job was Monday Night Football. And so, you know, talk about, like, being thrown straight into the fire. I was, you know, just thrown right into it. And, you know, there were times when I was like, man, maybe I should have stuck at the PR agency. but. You know, those those quickly faded. There's there's so much, you know, fun things that you get to do when you work here. Um, Game Days is one of them, but there's a ton of other things as well. And honestly, the other great thing is um, the people that work here too. Like, you know, both of you guys I know started off um, in similar positions, and it's really fun to, like, kind of grow um, and watch your 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 counterparts here at the Niners grow. And it's it's always interesting to see, like, someone get promoted to, like, a really great title, and you think back to, like, oh, I remember when... Like we were just like two like kids who didn't know anything and like we were getting started. And so, yeah, it's it's cool to see like your friends grow and, and like reach their goals.
3: Yeah, I remember all three of us were like low man on the totem pole. And so we were our representatives in some like community relations and foundation meetings. because yeah. We were just like the note takers.
2: <laughs> I remember those days. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, those were fun meetings, though. I mean, like I, I look back on those and think like that's where I feel like, you learn the most like because you're not even really participating in the meeting, but you're just listening and taking everything in. And yeah, yeah, I think like, you know, those early days, I have very fond memories of the of the, of the Community Relations Foundation <laughs> Zoom meetings, <laughs> especially during the pandemic. That was the time.
3: You have a communication studies degree from Gonzaga. When you first stepped on campus, what did you think you wanted to do?
2: Yeah, I, I really wanted to be a sports journalist. Like, that was the ultimate goal. I wanted to be on ESPN. I wanted to cover the NBA. I grew up playing basketball, and so actually basketball was my first love, not not football. I never played football growing up. But, you know, I, I, I did write for our school newspaper for a little bit at uh, Gonzaga. And, you know, it was fun, but there are just so many dues you have to pay as a journalist. Like, you have to, yes, you get to cover, like, the basketball team sometimes, but you also have to wake up on a Saturday at 6 a.m. and cover, like, the club, like, you know, rugby team or something. No offense to club <laughs> rugby players, but, you know, I wasn't really about like all of the dues that you had to pay there. And so, you know, I, I kind of decided that that wasn't the right path for me, but I still wanted to kind of be in sports in some way. And like the next, you know, the next closest sports path related to journalism is PR, because you're on the same side of the journalism um, stuff. You're just, you know, pitching the stories instead of writing the stories. So, yeah, that was, that was the ultimate goal um, until until I woke up that first Saturday morning for <laughs> a 6 a.m. Club, club rugby match.
1: Um, you told us a little bit about it before we started recording, but can you take us through like any activities or extracurriculars that you did in college?
2: Yeah, yeah. So we were talking about it before we hopped on air, but I had a podcast with a buddy of mine named Zach Oates. Um, shout out, Zach, if uh, you end up listening to this. But we had a podcast. It was about sports and pop culture. Um, we started our senior year. It was called the Pick and Pop Podcast. And if you know anything about basketball, Pick and Pop is, is like a play, very successful uh, play in basketball. And it was a play on words because it was the basketball play and then obviously pop for pop culture. So, yeah, it was super fun. We did it my my entire senior year. Most of our episodes were all about sports. We, we sprinkled in pop culture here and there, but we were both diehard sports fans. Gonzaga is a huge college basketball school. They've really grown as a program over the past, you know, 20 years or so. They've made it to the national championship a couple of times. And so, you know, we had a couple of the college basketball players on our show, a couple other collegiate athletes from Gonzaga as well. Um, And it was always fun. Like one of the players we, we interviewed, his name was Corey Kispert. Um, he's now in the NBA, and so, like, me and Zach always text after Corey had, like, a really great game. We're like, we interviewed that guy back in the day when he was just, like, a, you know, a sophomore at Gonzaga. So, yeah, no, I, podcasting is, is really fun for me. I, I love doing it. It's weird to be on this side and be, like, the interviewee and not the interviewer, um, but it, it's fun. I'm, I'm, I'm about it.
3: When did you, because if you went in knowing you wanted to be in some sort of, like, sports journalism, you had a podcast, when did you learn you wanted to be in sports in general?
2: Oh man, I I, I can't even, put, I, can't, I couldn't even tell you. I think it's just always been that way. You know, I think I was raised in a household where, you know, my dad loved sports. Um, and so I grew up loving sports as well. Like I said, already I played basketball growing up. And so I've always, I've always loved playing, watching. Um, and at some point, you know, in high school, when I was, you know, playing on like our, our varsity basketball team it becomes a point, and I'm sure you know you guys know this because you played sports growing up. But there's, there's a point when you realize like I'm not going to play at the next level, and so <laughs> you, you, got, you got to think about like, okay, what am I going to do next? And so that day hit me like junior, ju- junior in high school, and uh, from that point on, it was just like, okay, I'm going to set a set a goal to like work in sports. I didn't know at that time if it would be you know at ESPN or at a team or maybe it would be at Nike, like a brand or something like that. But that was always the goal. And so, yeah, I'd say from a very young age, um, I knew that, that was that's what I wanted to do.
1: Can you take us through your game day role?
2: Yeah, game days are super fun. They're very hectic. Um, it's a lot of running around. You have to deal with, with some media. Um, and so I'm, I'm up in the press box um, in the SAP Tower here at the stadium. And I'm really just helping our, our, our football um, communication staff for the most part um, there's not really a ton of corporate com stuff to do on game days unless we invite a reporter out to cover something specific. Um, so a lot of it is just managing the press box, helping media find their seats if, they, if they've never been there before, which uh, sounds funny, but like, you know, someone's got to do it. And so uh, we help with that.
3: I was just laughing because I'm going to start doing that to you. Jacob, do you know where I'm sitting today? <laughs> yeah, I'll be Every like, game. yeah,
2: it's right here next to me in the <laughs> same seat you sat for the past seven years. But yeah, no. So it's it's some of that stuff. Um, it's, it's a lot of also just like post-game duties. Um, I'd say the the real grunt of the work starts after the game's over, um, funny enough. But that's when all the press conferences start. And so, you know, you guys know this too. but. You know, we're we're helping with transcripts up in the press box. So the players are at the podium talking. Um, and then it's our job to get that transcript out to the media as soon as possible. So that if folks weren't in the auditorium to listen to it, um, they can still grab quotes for their, for their uh, post-game stories.
1: Yeah. So I'm watching, like, I love, we were talking about this earlier, I'm not really a podcast listener. I'm more of a TV show type of gal. And sure. so... You know, right now I'm watching West Wing per the suggestion of Haley and Saya, and, you know, their press secretary, CJ Craig, is just, like, really, really funny and entertaining. And she has to put out a lot of fires and kind of get ahead of some stories. I think there's this idea that, like, PR is very reactive and mm-hmm. is there for, like, damage control. But you're also, you also mentioned just being proactive and, like, pitching stories and things like that. Like, how do you try to stay ahead of... The game when it comes to an issue that way, like, so you don't get blindsided?
2: Yeah, that's a really good question. I think, I think the biggest thing is just knowing like where the potential fires could arise from, because if you know of like a potential storyline that someone could grasp onto, even if it's never touched by media, like at least, you know, and like you can prepare for that potential story. So that's, that's some things that we do as, as a department. You know, I think I think on the proactive side, though, like there's so much of of my job that is, you know, working with with media here in the Bay Area and nationally, even globally now um, in Mexico and the UK with our marketing rights there. But a lot of it is is very proactive. Um, So I would say, like, you know, I'm pitching journalists almost on a daily basis, um, just trying to get good, positive stories for our brand. And so, you know, there's there's reactive stuff here and there. But I would say, you know, that that stuff you know, you're, you're always prepared for it, but you know, you never really focus on it too much unless, you know, something, something arises. And so it's, uh, I'd say my job, um, for me at least is, is more so on the pitching and proactive stuff.
3: For your job, does it help that you are from this area? You know, the media outlets, the TV stations, kind of the ins and outs of what people in the Bay might think are interesting.
2: Yeah, I don't know. I've never thought about that. Yeah, maybe in a sense. I think like, you know, my I grew up in a house where my parents would like have the nightly news on, like our local news, and so I think like knowing knowing the news stations is key, but you know, as like I said already, you know, I moved away for college and so I wasn't here for like part of that like early career time. And so I think a lot of it was just stuff that like I learned when I got here as an intern. So much of PR is like relationships. I know it's it sounds kind of cliche, but you have to have relationships with the local media. Um, so yeah, I guess in a sense, like it's good to have those those early foundations and like knowing who the major players are in the media, who you know the the bigger TV stations are, who who the bigger fan blogs are, the newspapers, all that stuff. I think what's probably more helpful as a local Bay Area kid is just like knowing like what what fans like. Um, because there's so much of marketing and PR that is, you know, trying to engage fans. And so growing up as a 49ers fan, like I know what kind of story would like catch my eye. Or like I know what type of stuff would, you know, make me want to go to Levi Stadium for a game if I wasn't planning on it already. So I think I think that's probably more where being being local helps me in my role.
1: How do you manage all those relationships? I know, you know, obviously with journalists, you can't tell them what to write, like they're going to write things. And so sometimes it's probably, it might not be exactly what you thought they were going to write about. Like, just how do you navigate those relationships?
2: Yeah, I think you're right. It's a tough balance, right? Because you don't ever want to be too pushy and like talk to them about, you know, what exactly they should write. But you also have to do your best to try to get your message across as clearly as possible. And so I think it's just trying to, you know, trying to steer them towards the right narrative and then, you know, if they have questions on stuff, on stuff that doesn't fit that narrative, then, you know, you always answer them. You always provide them with the info that they're looking for. But hopefully, you know, through your pitching and, and through your, you know, relationship, you know, hopefully you're working with someone that understands what your goal is as well as their goal. Because, you know, you always have to know that, you know, a reporter has a duty to report in, in a respectful manner um, and, and do their due diligence. That's why the relationship is so important, because if you have that relationship, then they're also thinking about your goal and not just theirs.
3: How much do you look at what other teams are prom- promoting or what's happening around the league or in other sports in terms of corporate communications?
2: Yeah, I would say um, I would say it's it's become a lot more relevant um, in the past like year or so with like the marketing stuff internationally. I've looked at how other teams are promoting their There or themselves in the media um, in the UK and Mexico. We just had, you know, a week long trip down to Mexico this past season for the game in Mexico City. And, you know, no team had played in Mexico City since the IHMA rights had been announced. And so we were kind of the first ones to do that. But what we did look at is how other teams were getting like consistent coverage throughout the season. And so, you know, as the season went on um, going into the playoffs, we started opening up, opening up our our locker room during the week um, on an international basis, and so we had basically virtual like interviews um, with with reporters in the UK and Mexico sitting at guys' lockers. So like we'd have someone in the locker room literally holding up a phone and like Facetiming with a player sitting at his locker, and that was really great because you know that type of access is pretty much unheard of, you know, before our new marketing rights, but. We kind of had to find ways to get these um, media contacts that don't live in the Bay Area and can't be here every day. We have to give them content too, and so that was that was one area that I think we like really grew as a department. Um, and I'm really looking forward to doing more international stuff because that's something that you know there there's not a ton of like examples from other teams um, on the international front. And so we have opportunity to kind of lead on that front, um, and I think that's really exciting.
1: We asked you about your favorite project that you've worked on. Do you have a favorite memory since joining the Niners?
2: This is this is kind of a weird one, and it's really not Niners, Super Niners specific. But one of my favorite memories was running around London with Sourdough Sam um, this past season. <laughs> so we've been talking about it all episode. But so we had these new marketing rights in the UK and Mexico, and one of our one of our goals was to get. Um, some kind of golden material, like content material that we could use that's like UK specific. And so we went over there for a watch party. It was our first watch party ever hosted um, in the UK. Um, we hosted it in downtown Leeds. And so it was a really great event. But before that, we took Sourdough Sam through the streets of London. So we took him to like Big Ben and we took him to Buckingham Palace. You know, we were, we were showing him the London Eye as well. And going into that morning, I remember getting into the van with a couple of colleagues And then we, like, piled Sourdough Sam in, like, his huge mascot costume with, like, his big hat and everything, piled him into the van. And I was thinking to myself, like, man, I feel like we are just going to get killed by, like, the U.K. folks out here who are (laughs) going to be, like, giving us all these dirty looks. Like, what are they doing? But actually, to my surprise, like, we got out there and there were a ton of, like, kids who came up and wanted photos. And then there were also a ton of adults as well who came up to us and said, like, oh, are, 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 are the Niners playing in the U.K.? And I was like, no, no, we're not playing here. We're just kind of here for a watch party um, later in the week, and then we're here gathering content and hanging out with the U.K. fans. But there were so many 49ers fans that we ran into on the street that just loved seeing us, and I just think it was funny because that's not at all what I was expecting. Um, I think American football is is really not you know, as common in the U.K. It's not as, like, widely followed. Um, and so, you know, to go out there with, you know, this, like, huge – character in Sardos Sam, who's like dancing and like being, being ridiculous to, to have him like received well throughout the streets of, of London was, was really amazing.
3: Speaking of fans, sort of, you were a fan growing up. Yeah. Did you have a favorite player?
2: Yeah. Yeah. I, I had a couple. I, so I, I really liked um, Kaepernick just because I thought that like his, the way he burst onto the scene was just really great. And obviously, I followed that year that they went to the Super Bowl. On the, on the opposite end of the spectrum, though, I grew up just absolutely despising Richard Sherman um, <laughs> because of how obnoxious he was to the Niners during during the Seahawks' like playoff runs. Um, and obviously, he had that one like post game famous like tirade and stuff. And so, I grew up, you know, really disliking Richard Sherman. Um, and I went to college, and you know, in the state of Washington, there was a ton of Seahawks fans there. Zach Oates, who I mentioned earlier, who was my co-host on the podcast, huge Seahawks fan. And so we'd always get into these like heated debates about like 49ers Seahawks. And during my first season here, obviously Richard Sherman was on the team. And so I got to meet him a couple of times. And honestly, like one of the nicest guys I've ever met. Fun fact, he loves hot Cheetos. <laughs> and so one of my colleagues in, in the PR department, when he was trying to get uh, Richard Sherman to do um, some interviews, he'd be like, Okay, I gotta convince Sherm to to do an interview with this with this um, you know, outlet. I'm gonna bring him some hot Cheetos see if I can warm him up a little bit to say yes. <laughs> and so, uh, you know, it's it's just funny to like grow up thinking about, you know, these guys who you only see them as the athlete when you're just watching from afar. But like you get here and you talk to them and like they're people and like Richard was was really awesome. So it's cool also to see him like on the on the broadcasting side now as well.
1: When you see interviews like that, I mean you mentioned his you know, infamous tirade. Yeah. Does your PR brain just like go off? Are you just like, oh my gosh, I wonder what their PR guy's gonna think or like say, or do you just kind of take it as like entertainment?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think it's kind of both. Like there's only so much you can do as a PR professional to like prevent that. Like you you could prepare somebody with 10 pages of talking points, but depending on like their emotions and you know, in that scenario, like Sherman had just won one of the biggest games of his life. So I'm sure all the talking points and PR prep that he had went straight out the window and he was just running on, like, pure emotion um, and excitement. But, yeah, I mean, I, th- I think, like, when I see something like that, I always think, like, I wonder how they're going to handle that afterwards or after the fact, like, like, you know, what do you say to someone like that afterwards? Like, how do you say, hey, maybe next time uh, <laughs> don't d- don't talk like that um, in front of the camera? But, I mean, honestly, like, I think, you know, there's, there's a lot of people that think, like, you know, if there's a bad media moment, you know, it's it's like a big loss, but it sometimes is. But the news cycles nowadays are so short. And so unless it's something like super massive, it's, it's usually over and done with in a day or two. And so you just kind of move on and, and get better for the next one.
3: For anyone who wants your job or wants to get into sports, public relations, corporate communications, what's your advice to them?
2: I would say, the biggest thing for me is is having like a really solid network from my story earlier. The only reason I have this job now is because, you know, I interviewed for a position and then kept that connection from the person I interviewed with close. Like we, you know, continued to follow each other on LinkedIn, keep up to date on, you know, what each other were doing. And that's how, you know, Roger knew to reach out to me when he had a, he had a role to fill. Um, So that would be my first advice. And that goes not only for, you know, PR and corporate communications, but any job across the board. I think for PR uh, specifically, getting like an internship at an agency early on is really helpful. Agencies, they teach you a lot of stuff and you're working on several accounts at once at, at at most places. And so, you know, you're really like rounding out your skills because um, you might be working on several different accounts. And so there's a lot of crossover between an agency and what I do here. Although I'm not working on different accounts per se, like I'm supporting different departments, which if you think about it is really kind of like supporting different accounts because each department has different goals, different needs, different priorities, um, different storylines they want to push, um, different spokespeople. And so, you know, also different uh, media audiences, different you know fan audiences, so it's very similar in that sense. And so I would say working at a PR agency um, as an intern early on is just a really good way to like get your feet wet in the industry um, and start learning about like, you know, the fundamentals of, of PR.
3: I actually have a question for both of you. As someone who's been here a while now, I have started and like I read basically every article that goes on 49ers.com, all the headlines for videos and galleries. I have found myself starting to think in the tone of the 49ers, like how we write. Do you guys ever like in your normal life start to like type out like texts or like think in the tone of what you would like post on social or write in a press release?
2: I'll go first 100%. Like, <laughs> I don't even know how to write as, like, not an organizational tone anymore. <laughs> like, I, so, like, some of my friends give me, um, give me like a hard time for it, but like my, my text to them about like random stuff, like about wanting to get dinner, it's so formal. Like, I'm using all punctuation. I'm like using all these like big words, like, I would never use it in my day to day life, like just talking. <laughs> but yeah, um, that's that is something that, like, with, with time, like, I've written enough press releases to, like, know that, you know, this is the 49ers brand voice. And so, yeah, I'm I'm constantly thinking in, in 49ers brand voice.
1: I'm actually not. I mean, I think with social, we kind of just know the balance of, like, when we need to be serious, like, like, PR 49ers. And then we know when we can have fun with it. And I think, like, my personal voice, I mean, if you text me or Slack me, I'm very much... I hit the return button a lot. I don't write out full sentences. I write out my thoughts. And so you're going to get like 10 things in a row of just my thoughts split up, which is not what we do on our social, but it is what I do in my everyday life. So I think I am able to separate the two and kind of turn it on and off when I know I need to.
3: We had a Slack training today and their best practice was to write in paragraphs and the person giving the training goes, we all know that person that texts multiple lines to us and we don't like it. It's me. And in my head, I was just like, Patty. (laughs) (laughs) Because to me,
1: I feel like that's how I best convey how I sound, which is funny because if you ask my boyfriend, he will say that my text voice does not match my in-person voice. Which I don't think is true. So, I mean, you guys can tell me. if I,
2: like- I kind of feel like when I get, like, 10 slacks from you in a row, like, it's, <laughs> it, it's, it's almost the same as, like, you just, t- like, sending me an audio message. I'm like, oh, yeah, this is, like, how Patty would say it.
1: Thank you. Yeah, no, he, he says that my, like, text voice doesn't match my, like, actual voice. Which I don't understand, but.
2: Can, can I turn the tables on this podcast for a second? Because I, I want to jump back into when I was the podcaster. I want <laughs> to ask Patty a question because I've always wondered this oh, um, about like social. Yeah. How long did it take you to not get nervous about like hitting posts?
1: Oh my gosh. Because I
2: mean, as like I I I could never do that because I'm I would like reread my tweet like 20 million times before I hit post.
1: I still do that. Like I, if you talk to me, if you talk to Kiana. Uh, Johnny's vet, a seasoned vet at this point. I don't know if he's doing the same thing, but like we are both like chronic overthinkers. I could have the most basic copy. Like the 49ers have signed so-and-so to a one-year deal and still read that like 10 times, even though it's like cut and dry, right? There's mm-hmm. no editorializing it, nothing. I am constantly yeah. overthinking. I don't know if I ever got over it. I think I've gotten better like there were times where I'd literally post something and then throw my phone, like like it was a risky text. Not even that like the copy was risky, but just the concept of like, oh, this is going to be seen by right. potentially millions of people. Um, so I don't think you ever fully get over it. I think you just learn how to trust yourself and your skills and your abilities more because I'm still doing that. I'm still being meticulous. And I think it's important that you know, you're still being detail-oriented, you're just not like dwelling on it, right? Like, especially me, like I'm a night owl, right? So sometimes I will schedule things, if it's like a 6 a.m. press release, (laughs) I will schedule that, you know, at like 11 p.m. and I will read my copy over and over. One, because I'm a chronic overthinker, but two, because it's like late and I just wanna make sure that it's like, it's still good for when people see it at six in the morning. So I don't think you ever get over it. I just think you get better at like managing and how you handle
2: it. Is it the same sign for you, Haley? Like posting articles on .com?
3: Yeah, we have the option. So when you press publish on anything, there's a pop-up that says like, are you sure you want to publish this? And you can turn it off. And this will be my seventh season. And I refuse to. Like there is a moment in every time I hit publish, regardless of what it is, where I'm like, do I actually want to publish this?
1: <laughs> but you can always edit it, right? Like, Ye- after it's published. Yes.
3: True. The problem is that with, like, RSS feeds and stuff, like, some, t- some like, media outlets get notified, like, right away when we publish something. And that's always my worst fear is if, like, it was a press release that needs to go out at 2, but it's, like, one fifty eight, and you're like, mm. so... Mm.
1: Yeah, I always go back and forth with the whole should there be an edit button on Twitter debate, right? Like from a social media professional side, it'd be like, yes, because I wouldn't be changing facts. Like I would only need to edit something if it was like grammatically incorrect or there's a typo or whatever. But I think you get into this area where like people can just completely change the context of a text with an edit button. So, I mean, let me know your thoughts. I, I don't think like I would want one as a professional but I know like there will be people who probably abuse a feature like that.
2: Yeah. Yeah, that's a tough one. I th- like what my mind went to cuz we we've had like issues with this in the past, but like some some media like they'll they'll see a story reported by somebody else and then they'll latch on to it and sometimes like they could like get, you know, one fact wrong and it may seem like it's like kind of minuscule, doesn't really make that much difference in the long or in the grand scheme of things. But there's so much, like, syndication amongst media. Like, Haley, like, you were just talking about it. Like, you know, media just grab onto something and then they, like, repost it or they, like, you know, mix up, like, the order of, of, of the topic points and, like, they post it again. And so, like, if that one thing is, like, incorrect in a media story, then it gets syndicated elsewhere. Now it's, like, all over the place. And so I think more than a tweet edit button, I would like to be able to go and, like, edit Porter's stories be like no
0: <laughs> actually
2: this isn't what happened or like this this fact isn't correct um that's like one of the biggest things about PR it's like oh man like I I like tried to give them the right information but like they just didn't use it the right way so
3: I want like a real-time fact check on everything New York Times during the 2020 election during all of the debates did a real-time fact check so you could go to New York Times go to the fact check and like if you were watching the um debate it would have like yes that is correct no this is what's actually happening i want that in real life like i just want to walk around and be able to be like no like that is not true
1: yeah how much research do you do as like a pr professional
2: Mm. what what, what kind of research do you
1: like for your releases or just you know being because you have to answer all the questions that media might have about a certain Mm. topic that you might be pitching like What do you do to become an expert in, like you were saying, all these different departments kind of goals?
2: Yeah, I I, honestly, I think that kind of just comes with time. Like there was a time in my early career here where, you know, I wasn't thinking about all the right questions. Um, And that's just because I didn't know, like, what questions to be asking. And so, like, the more times that you do a, a press release announcement, the more times that you're putting an executive in front of a camera those all those reps like help prepare you for the next one and so I think it's just like a combination of reps but I think the other big thing is like with my experience as a journalist um in college I can kind of put myself in those shoes and think like okay if I was like writing the story what would I be interested in like what would get me the most clicks or like the most views I'm probably going to ask that question and so that's like where you start making the talking points like and preparing the executives for things so yeah, I think I think it's a lot of, I mean, there's some research, but I think a lot of it is just like critical thinking about like, you know, what types of questions the reporters are going to be most prone to.
1: When you're prepping executives for interviews, are you nervous at all? I mean, sometimes I think it could be daunting if you're preparing like a C-level or a president for an interview, like you're kind of telling them not what to do or what to say, but you're kind of directing them in a sense yeah
2: yeah yeah no you are kind of telling them and like directing them and what to say um that's that that's like why you know i have a job yeah it can be daunting at at, you know at certain times i think especially depending on the announcement and and the topic it can be but i think you know I've, i've been here long enough to have kind of built good relationships with a lot of our executives i think you know, I've, I've coordinated a good amount of press release announcements and a lot of interviews that people feel comfortable when I come to them and say, hey, there's an opportunity for you to be featured in an interview. You know, most people, I think, have the confidence that I'm setting them up to succeed and not in a situation where they could fail. And so, yeah, I mean, I think maybe maybe a little daunting in the early stages, but not not so much anymore. All
1: right, Jacob, finally, we ask this on every pod, as you would know, because you are a, an avid listener.
2: Facts. Correct. Facts.
1: Can you tell us about a time when you were given a duty that was not in your regular job description? Okay, other duties as assigned.
2: Hmm. Yeah. So I. I think I think one of the big things, and this goes back to game day, and <laughs> Haley always gives me a ton of a ton of beef because like. She says that I never, or I say this too, but I don't have like a ton of embarrassing work stories. I and, was and, just
3: about to be like, I feel like we should ask what your most embarrassing work story and is.
2: And Haley has some of the like most embarrassing, like hilarious work stories I've ever heard. So <laughs> I don't know if like she needs to be like interviewed on this about she her does. embarrassing work stories, but that needs to be an episode she does. in itself. I would say on game day is like one of the things that we have to do that is is, is always annoying, um, especially as an intern, but some some media personnel will like show up late to the game. And so like at some point we take the media credential box out from the will call booth because it's like, oh, it's the end of the, of the first quarter. And so if you're not here by now, like you're probably not coming. But there are, there, there's this one time where it was like pouring down rain. I can't remember exactly who we were playing or like what year it was, but it was like one of those like monsoon games at Levi's. And this reporter showed up late and, someone needed to go run the credential out to them in the parking lot. And I was like in a suit, no umbrella, <laughs> no raincoat. And I was just, I was, I was an intern at the time and they were just like, hey, like you mind running this out to the parking lot for this media guy? And I was like, oh, I guess I have to, don't I? And so that that was like one of the times where, um, you know, it was, it was just funny cause I thought like my, my duties for running stuff out to the parking lot were over for the day. Cause like we were mostly, you know, almost halfway through the game. And it was raining so it's just like a brutal scenario walk back into the press box wet So my so my colleagues on football comms were like making fun and saying like oh man like how was how that walk out to the parking lot in the rain bud and I, I was just not having it so yeah i think that's one of them um there's probably more that i'm forgetting but that's like the first one that comes to mind
3: well thank you so much for being on the podcast i've been asking for a while so i'm so glad we got to we got to do it
2: yeah yeah no this was fun it's it's fun to get back behind the mic, I'm happy to be on again. I don't don't know uh, what the rotation's like, but yeah, I always love, I love coming on these things.
1: Welcome anytime. We will take you up on that.
2: (laughs) I'll be back.
0: Live Nation presents Concert Week